Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 142. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Welcome back and welcome to another episode of Thinking Differently, of creating alignment, of shedding the heaviness of the high achiever human experience. You know, what we do, how we live our lives, how we feel, trying to optimize it, shed what doesn't work, create more of what does. I'm proud to be your host on this adventure as a collector and curator of experiences who continually seeks more depth, more clarity, more focus in life, because that's where the beauty lives. And that's where the ability to see it, appreciate it, replicate it, spread it also lives. When I think about what I want most in life, it's a deep, clear, focused life on the inside. I want to ask myself questions that are unheard of and then follow the answers. All to go farther, farther in this journey of experiencing the magic of life, because there's a lot of magic out there. And I don't use magic as in it just randomly happened, but maybe it does. I use magic in the sense of making sense out of the world and seeing the beauty of the world and the rawness and the realness of it and feeling very connected, connected to who's around me, what's around me, connected to purpose, connected to joy, experiencing fulfillment being around others from a place of strength and building each other up and celebrating all the moments, regardless of size, even celebrating the moments that hurt because that's living. So that's how I define life and what I want in life, to give and receive pure love, the kind of love that says, I don't want anything from you. I don't need anything from you. It's simply a joy to be part of your life, part of your experience. And that's what forms each episode, (laughs) a desire to explore a little more, go a little farther, dig a little deeper, see what's there and give context to it, give understanding to it. Because the more that we understand our patterns, our habits and what they're causing, the more possibility we have to move beyond it, to move towards what we want rather than continually moving away from what we don't want because that's normal. And it takes both mindset and strategy. And that's what we do. So I'm so glad you're here. Before moving on to today's episode, there are two birthday shout outs. One is to Dr. Dawn Sears. You've probably heard her name over and over and over as the visionary for the ACE conference. She is an extraordinary woman. She's got incredible faith, depth, love, and I can tell you with absolute certainty that she is solid and she's committed and loyal and passionate, passionate about experiencing life, passionate about the people she loves, passionate about authentic living and growing and building others up. So happy birthday, Dawn. Second birthday shout out is to my friend, Ty. Happy birthday, sweet one. All right, you ready? We're going deeper. This week, we are talking about the concept 
of making ourselves wrong and making others wrong. And I started thinking about it because my coach said, you know, I never make myself wrong. Like I didn't even know what that meant or even that it was an option. Never make myself wrong. So it's described as if I make a mistake, I just don't make myself wrong for it. I repair it, move on, laugh about it. It's like, what? If I make a mistake, if other high achievers who are in my world make a mistake, we pay for it. We beat ourselves up. We go above and beyond trying to repair, like we repent for it. It is a huge deal. Focus on all the ways we were wrong and start the judgment. How could I be so stupid? Or I'm such an idiot. And then comparison, well, other people aren't doing it. Why do I have it so wrong? A simple mistake. And we don't just do it to ourselves. We do it in our relationships too. We make other people wrong without even realizing it. So check this out. Recently, my son called. He needed some information to plan his day out. He shared what happened the day and night before and the decisions he made and how he handled it. And here's what I reflexively said. Why didn't you call? We would have helped. We could have found another answer. Notice that? What I reflexively said after the fact, so decisions made, it's already done, and that is my reflexive instinct to say. And what did I immediately do? Made him wrong for his decision. Made him wrong for not seeking my input. Made him wrong for not doing what I would have done. I did this instinctive thing thinking that I could help. I could, I know better. I have more resources. That's where my focus was. Notice that's not why he called. And that's exactly why he wanted to move the conversation along because decisions were made. The night is over. My reaction, well-intentioned, my action, not helpful, not helpful at all. And in fact, he, it implied that the choices he made were wrong. And it's not the first time. <laughs> like I can think about other conversations at other times, and then I can answer my own question. Why does he shut down sometimes? Could it be because he feels judged or he feels like he's not good enough or like he has to do things my way? Probably. Again, intentioned, but notice what I did. And his intention of this call was to be able to move his day along, not to go back and process what had happened the night before. He, it's over. So I noticed that's so important in our relationship is to understand where someone's at, where their focus is at, what they're asking for. Because what they're asking for, that's the place I can be helpful. Going back and rehashing something that's over and that may or may not feel so good, not helpful in the moment. So I see clearly how I made him wrong. What did he take out of it? I don't know. I don't know. I just know how the conversation went. But in my mind, the way I was thinking about it put him in that position of being wrong and notice me being right, my way being right, my help being right. It just doesn't feel good right now. So one example out of 20 years of being part of his life, and it's been a few weeks since this happened, and I still remember it so clearly. 
and use it to be more intentional with my focus and with my words when we talk. Because it's the exact opposite of what I want for him in our relationship. I don't want him to feel like he's in a position of being wrong. I don't want to acutely agitate something that is just starting to settle down. I want us to be allies and to build, to build on what's good, to figure out the obstacles, to share experiences, to share joy. So that's an example, but notice how often we do it. And I'm not the only one who does it. I know that for sure. How often we do it to ourselves, how often we buy into that way of thinking, how often we find reasons that we're wrong or with our well-intentioned, we put other people in the position of being wrong with our words, with our questions. And what we're talking about are natural tendencies or default ways of responding or asking questions. That's what we're looking at. In no way am I saying that we intentionally make others wrong. We're looking at the default settings that come out, just like the conversation with my son, default setting. So it's the language that we use without thinking about it. It's the reaction to what we hear, the reaction of something that's going on. And we're working to curate better. In a prior episode, or maybe even several, (laughs) I've talked about the code blue. Code blue in the hospital means that somebody is on the verge of dying. There's either a life-threatening heart rhythm, life-threatening breathing going on, or something that, if not addressed emergently, could lead to their passing. And every time I hear code blue, there's this automatic physiologic response, palpitations, my mind starts racing. I don't even know who the patient is or the circumstances and barely am hearing where the room number is and where my mind goes by default, all the reasons that it's my patient and I did something wrong. We make ourselves wrong all the time, likely without even realizing it. And today it's a matter of slowing down and realizing what it steals from us. It steals our time because we are so mired in frustration and beating ourselves up for not being good enough. And then the numbing out to temporarily soothe the pain because we're beating ourselves up and we just wanted to stop. It's stealing our energy because when we just want to numb out, when we just want to get away from all that mental anguish, it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy to try and go beyond it, to try and get past that feeling of I'm behind and missing out on the good stuff in life, the stuff that brings us alive. So we stay stuck in this cycle of feeling bad and thinking it's who we are and then fighting it, but we don't get anywhere. And then we stop fighting it and we're still not getting anywhere. And then we isolate and we don't get anywhere. And then we get sick and tired of our own BS and maybe something Maybe something changes. Maybe we make a little progress. But notice all the energy when we put ourselves, when we believe that we're wrong, what we're doing is wrong, what we're saying is wrong, who we're being is wrong. And when we believe that we can't get it right, we lose a lot of time and a lot of energy and we miss out on the goodness. So consider, how often do you make yourself wrong 
effortlessly. So let's say you write down the wrong time for an appointment and you miss it. What goes through your mind? What are the labels that you start to apply to yourself? How much time do you spend thinking about it that day, that week, that month? How much do you beat yourself up about it? You make a mistake at work. Somebody says you did something wrong and they point it out. Or they say you didn't do a good job. Where does your mind go? Like how much do you make yourself wrong? How much does it tear down all that's right, all that you do that's amazing? How long do you spend? A day, a week, a month? Do you start thinking, maybe I need to resign? This is what we do. This is the active, high achiever human brain. When you think about a relationship that isn't going well, how do you make yourself wrong? What are the you should have, you should be, you should have known, you should try harder? All of that stuff puts pressure on what we're not and should be, on who we are and shouldn't be, and it just makes us wrong. We tell ourselves we must be, we need to be so many things that we're not. So is it any surprise that on a regular basis, we don't feel good enough? Continually reacting and conforming ourselves to the external world, to the needs, the demands, the pressures, and it's not enough? Is it any surprise we don't feel like ourselves? We don't feel like we fit in? It's because we don't. (laughs) We're performing. We're not being ourselves. We're not being our real selves. And we're not being kind to ourselves. So on a daily basis, there's several opportunities to confirm or believe that I'm wrong. And there's a good chance that you have all these opportunities too. To believe that we're not good enough. And it might sound like I knew it. I should have. I shouldn't have. I'm not. And notice in our conversation with others. So going back to the conversation with my son. Why didn't you? Oh yeah, that's the beginning of a sentence that implies they were wrong. Did you think about? These are well-intentioned. I have a huge smile as I am recounting that conversation again. Did you consider? Yep. Another way to make people wrong. (laughs) So you don't have to wonder why conversations shut down with others, with your kids, with your intimate partner, with your friends, because these well-intentioned phrases don't help the situation. They don't help the individual. They don't bring closeness. What they do is they add judgment and comparison. They tell the person that without us making the decision or helping or adding ideas that they couldn't possibly make the right decision. And that is definitely not who we are or what we want. So review the words that you say, not your intentions, but the actual words and see how much judgment is there. See if there's comparison there, even comparison to who they could be, how much of that is there. Because in the moment, especially in an acute moment, it doesn't help. People don't want to be compared to quote who they could be. And I have to remind myself that I don't know if they could be that. I think so, but I don't know if they could, but that's a standard I'm holding. 
not a standard they're holding. The other thing to review is the energy that you have, your own energy. And get a sense, is this the energy of connection if I'm with someone else? Is this the energy of polarization? Because that's what allows you to think, how am I making them wrong? I worked the weekend in the hospital and I was very intentional with the words that I chose with patients, with families, with the nursing staff, with the care team. And the goal was to remain wide open so that we could have honest conversations on what's really happening. So I didn't ask, why didn't you call or come in sooner? Because that's a great way to shut down a conversation and imply the individual was wrong. I didn't ask, why did you do that? Didn't want to put any individual in a situation acutely of feeling wrong. There are times for these conversations. It's generally not when something is acutely inflamed. It's got to settle down first. And then an open discussion can be had. The learning, the value, the takeaways can be discussed. When a family member asked, and this was a very well-intentioned question, well, if they had been going to the doctor and taking medicine, would this have now, would this even happen now? <laughs> that is a landmine. There's nothing good that's coming out of it because we are in the acute phase of disease. And usually with my patients, it's not something that can be reversed. We got to manage it. We got to manage the consequences of it. And the individual is suffering. So maybe they just had a heart attack. Maybe they had a stroke. Maybe they now have cirrhosis. And that question is so loaded that all it's going to do is make the patient wrong, make them wrong for their choices, which doesn't help. It doesn't help anyone in that situation. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't build trust. It doesn't lead to sustainable change when somebody's already feeling bad. So we're not talking about intentional conversations. There may be times and situations that it's appropriate for you. We're talking about the default language. It sounds okay. It sounds helpful in our mind. It's well-intentioned, but lots of encouragement to reevaluate the approach you take and the words that you use. Am I making myself wrong? Am I making somebody else wrong? How do I think they're going to feel when I ask this question or say this thing? Again, it's natural default language. It sounds really good, but for the other person, for the relationship, it may be exactly like poking a needle in your eye. There's no value. It just hurts. Again, we're talking about the natural default language. And notice that default language goes to the past. It finds fault. It confirms what we were already thinking that we're wrong, we're not good enough, we really didn't know better, we shouldn't have started. Those are some examples that come up for me. And we do the same thing with others. That language will never, ever take us forward consistently. We may think that we can beat ourselves up to success, but we don't stay there. I am certain of it. So you want a better life? It's becoming more intentional with where your mind goes in the moment and reviewing the words before they come out, not the intentions, but the words. And it's choosing an intentional path. 
and rewiring that default way of thinking, that way of doing, so that it truly builds more connection, more internal connection with how you're speaking to yourself, more connection with people that you care about, how you're speaking to them. Again, not the intention, but the actual words that they use and how the other person is receiving them. And then in the teams that you work on, being very intentional so that there's continues to be that connection and that growth rather than spending time on something that cannot change in the past. And rather than spending time on judging ourselves or others, on comparing ourselves or others, it's all so important. I work with physicians on writing, writing the messaging, writing the marketing for their business. So it's writing the words that show up on a website or social media or create workshops or sometimes even fun things like posters. And the biggest barrier to progress, are you ready? It's not a lack of strategy. It's not a lack of knowing how. It's the language that is happening within the individual. It's the way that they're speaking to themselves. It is the biggest barrier to progress because of the labels and the judgment when things don't go smoothly. And I can 100% tell you that things don't go smoothly when you're building a business and doing things you've never done before. So it's the language that says you're wrong. Almost anything that you've done is wrong. I should have chosen that rather than this. I should have done this sooner. I shouldn't have. And the list goes on and on and on. And they just make themselves wrong over and over again to the point that they feel defeated, that they can't see that bright light called a business that serves other and helps others. They get stuck in frustration and anger and overwhelm. And these are brilliant men and women who are human. And they repeat the story of, I can't get anything right. This isn't going to happen. It is. It's just not going to happen with that mindset. And that mindset isn't going to create a sustainable strategy that says, just try. So it's normal. This is normal in all of us. It's simply an example of somebody who's pushing themselves beyond the discomfort, but are stuck in the discomfort. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's why we're here. You want better. I do too. And better means recognizing the language we use. Is what I'm about to say going to suggest that the other person was wrong? Is it going to, is it, is it for the purpose of me feeling right? And why do I want that? Why do I want that for them? Why do I want that for me? Where do I want the focus to be on the past or where we are in this moment? With these words, will the person that I am speaking to know that I care about them? and know that I care about this, and know that I'm on their team. With the words that I'm using to myself, is it clear that I have my own back? Is this inspiring and fueling? Is this helping me to open up and try? Or is this shutting me down? These are all questions to ask about the language you are using or about to use. There may be times to go to the past, It's not in an acute situation. So if someone's had a heart attack, like they've just had a heart attack, and if they're fortunate, a cardiologist has intervened, and now they have a stent, and they've got 
a return of blood flow to the area that was cut off in their heart. At that moment, like when they've just gotten back from the cath lab, that's not the time to talk about their food intake or their choices that they've been making or if they're taking their medicines or not. That's, this is an acute time with a lot of emotions. And the focus really needs to be on where they're at and where they want to go. There is a time to look at secondary prevention. How do we reduce the likelihood this is going to happen again? But it's not in that moment when things are acutely inflamed. It doesn't help anyone. It just adds to whatever emotions the individual is experiencing. And from what I see, it's a whole lot of guilt and a whole lot of shame and a whole lot of fear. And there's no reason to add to those in that moment. So we've got a whole team. We've got a dietitian that'll come in in the next day or so. We've got cardiac rehab that's going to come in and start walking with the patient and talking about what their body needs and then talking about what they can work up towards. And we've got people like me, the cardiologist, to talk about medications and why we're using them and what the point is and how they're needed consistently. And we've got the ability to have honest conversations about tobacco and alcohol and other substances and what those are going to do to the body and where the body's at or where the heart's at and how those are going to harm the heart and creating a strategy or a plan or a way to head to help break those habits. So how do we become more intentional? Like how do we move beyond that default language that can be polarizing, that makes us wrong, makes others wrong. (laughs) Here's some ideas. Number one, speak less. Speak less. Number two, remember that in acute moments, the tendency, the human tendency is to find fault and pursue it. So be less human in that way. Number three, focus on the now, where you are at and what options you have now, not going back to the past not questioning the decisions that were made at this moment. Number four, turn to grace. Wait for the acute inflammation to go down and then have conversations if they're needed. Those conversations designed to extract the learning and the growth potential. Next, look at the language you're using with yourself and how you apply new information. Are you using it to make yourself wrong? Are you using it to criticize? The next one is decide on purpose what you will say and what you won't say. Using the lens of how am I making myself or someone else wrong? And if you're not making someone else wrong, you're not making yourself wrong, fantastic. The goal ultimately is to create more freedom and more fulfillment. What's funny? My mind comes up with urgency around what has to be said. So the phone call with my son, I had to urgently ask him why he didn't call, why he didn't ask. Catch yourself. If your mind does it too, and there's a good chance your mind does because you're human too, catch that urgency and really question it. Do I urgently have to say this? There's a good chance that your life will be better by not saying it by not repeating it, by not believing it. 
because there's so little that's truly urgent in the human experience. And even as a doctor, there's so true, there's so little that's truly urgent. The key is distinguishing what's urgent needs to be acted on and what's not, and we have time to work through it. And the same thing is true with our language and our conversations. Because when we make ourselves wrong, when we make others wrong in our minds or in their minds, all we're doing is we're feeding fear and doubt and uncertainty and shame and guilt. And those five things have had enough nutrition. They don't need any more. We don't need to feed them any longer. When you understand how and when you make yourself wrong, you can stop doing it sooner. And it opens up more opportunities to do things like, are you ready? Laugh, problem solve without emotion, move on with your day. I'm not saying you have to make yourself right or make every decision like you have to prove it was right. You just don't have to make yourself wrong. It's simply a matter of not dragging yourself through the mud, which eat with each thing that didn't go smoothly or didn't go how you wanted. And that's it. It opens up more opportunity to be in that intentional space and experience what it is that you're seeking or you're seeking more of. For me, it's freedom and fulfillment. And I know with my words, when my words create connection internally and externally, more freedom and fulfillment awaits. So hooray, we've made it to the end. We have been talking a lot about how we make ourselves wrong and just shutting that down. How we make others wrong, either in our minds or their minds, and shutting that down to create ultimately more peace. So I am sending you so much love. I'll see you next time. Ciao. Create clarity and simplicity with all of your marketing so that the people you serve know how you can help them. As a StoryBrand certified guide, I help physicians create this to launch or grow any type of business. Sign up for a consult call with me at georgemdcoaching.com.